up Wednesday and also Ash Wednesday and Easter's going to fall on April Fool's Day. And, uh, but I decided to preach on love because uh, love is in the air. Uh, some of you that get the 3D sermon notes, they come out on Wednesday morning and I usually write them Monday or Tuesday. And so I had put in there, so I, when I put my wife's name in there, I usually kind of give her a heads up. And uh, so I said, and what I put was that my wife and I, Alana, started dating in high school back in 1975. Actually, it was December the 12th, 1975. That was our first date. But who keeps up with that? I do. I just always remember that date. But anyway, Valentine's, of course, I'm going to do something for her, and many of you are going to do the same on Valentine's Day. But one of those years in high school, it might have been 76 or so, but anyway, we got some T-shirts, and we had some of those iron-on love quotes and hearts and all that stuff, and we made some T-shirts for Valentine's. And so I put in the 3D, I was just giving her a warning, that I said, I think we still have them stored where, somewhere, and I'm not really sure. But um, And then I added, if we find them, we'll wear them Sunday. So I, I thought I ought to let her in on this. And so I was telling her Tuesday night, oh, by the way, and she's there and uh, sitting in the den, and she gave me the look when I, when I said this. And she said, well, just very calmly, just very clearly, she leaned over at me. She said, if we do find them, I will have to cut them in half and then re-sew them just so the two pieces will fit one of us. So, uh, now she said that I didn't. We didn't look for them. We, we didn't look for them. So, uh, I said earlier in the prayer, and it's true with God, you know, Valentine's not, we, we celebrate one day a year, but with God, if you read in his word, it's an, it's an everyday, it's a 365 thing with him. And so um, I want us to read some scriptures about love, and most of these you're very familiar with, and, but I just want to re-go over them again and remind us uh, that God expects us to love. Now, the title of the sermon is Love Takes Work, and sometimes it hurts. Love takes some work, it takes some discipline, uh, and sometimes it just, just plain old hurts. I want to read first from 1 Corinthians 13. We call it the love chapter. I'm not going to read all of it, but just verse 8, verse 8 to begin with, love never fails. I'm thinking, I've seen it fail. My definition of love, the world's definition, I have seen it fail. So what is God talking about that love never fails? Got to be some other kind of love outside our existence or our definitions because he's saying love never fails and then he he gives these comparisons he says but whether they're prophecies they will pass away they will fade out whether they're tongues they will cease whether there's knowledge it will vanish away but love never fails and then in verse 13 the last verse of 13 says now abide faith hope and love these three but the greatest the greatest of these is love and we know that we we read that before then let me read in Matthew, the fifth chapter. Jesus gets real, oh man, he gets so personal sometimes. Matthew 5, verses 44 through 46. Jesus said, but I say to you, love your enemies. Have you got any of them? Have you ever had any in your life? Are they kin folks? 
And Jesus says, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. You may be like me some days. You got to be kidding. Really? Does he really mean that? Does he really want us to bless somebody that curses us? Then he says, do good to those who hate you. And then pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That's, that's a heavy list. Love takes work. He adds then in verse 45, the reason I want you to do this so people will know who you belong to. That you may be children of your Father in your heaven so that people recognize that's a child of God. Got to be. I mean, they're blessing people that are cursing them. They are praying people that spitefully, they've got to be part of the kingdom. Because he said, people will recognize that, that you are sons and daughters of my Father which is in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And then another passage, as you continue to wrestle with that one, is John 15 that I read earlier. Is the words of grace. Hear it again. John 15, 12 and 13. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Oh, my goodness, God. I done messed that one up a few times. Somebody's thinking a few hundred. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Of course, we know the great commandment. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, and, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. And I want you to love your neighbor as thyself. So we know he tells us this. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Then listen to verse 13, and I want you to underline it. We're going to come back to it. Greater love, this is Jesus saying, greater love... As no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. What does that mean? What does he mean, lay down your life? It takes work. Sometimes, dear God, it hurts. When we read these scriptures, we realize God apparently really expects us to love like he loves. Then we look around us and not too far, just about in the pew, and then we look within and we realize that we're in this world uh, that is full of hurting people who need love. I'm one of them, and you're one of them. We all get thrown in the mix, so we've all been hurt to some degree. Uh, maybe it's selfish parents, and we're hurt down inside. Maybe it was an uncaring institution that you got wounded, you got hurt, and does he really expect me to get over this? Or maybe it's, maybe it's just cutting relationships. They just hurt you. Or maybe it's an isolating or an alienating society. But we've all been hurt. And then, to, to top it all off, we're all a bunch of sinners. Living in a sinful world. How does he expect us to do this? Because I've sinned and you've sinned and 
We're living in a broken world, and now we've got all these commandments. And God, help us. I read a Christian article about a lady who said that when she was growing up, she had a black cat. She always named her cats by their color, but since she already had a black cat, there was one born, had a bunch of kittens, and it was black, but she just called it Mother Cat. Most cats are aloof and independent, but not Mother Cat. She would even jump into her lap when called. And I'll sidetrack from this story and just tell you a personal story about cats. I love animals. I love pets. We don't have one right now, but I, I had a cat for about 11 years. My son Dave in the 11th grade, was during spring practice football was going on. He's getting ready to play baseball, 11th grader, and he comes home with a little kitten that Brittany Thacker, I don't know why I remember her name. You know who I'm talking about. Brittany Thacker, though, her cat had kittens, and Dave needed one, and he was going to have him a little kitten. I said, so you you going to take care of this cat? Yeah. I don't know that he ever fed the little kitten. I did. And so for the next 11 years, I had a cat as a gift from my son Dave. Turned out to be the greatest cat ever. I called her Soup Baby. Souk, S-U-K-E. Souk, Souk, Souk. I called her just like a dog. I'd tell her to come and heal. We had a box at the house that she could use to rest. She never did. She would always go to the door. Meow. I said, you got to go? Meow. It was almost like, yes. I'd let her out. She might be gone. She'd stay outside sometimes a day or two, then come back. She was a house cat for the most part. When I was there, she was in my lap. She wanted me to rub her and scratch her. Great cat. Again, I treated her kind of like a dog, and she was awesome. And she passed away right before we came here. I loved that cat that my son gave me unintentionally. This woman had a black cat, a unique cat. She's talking about it, and this happened to her cat one day. Mother cat had the gentlest, kindest, and most endearing personality she had ever seen in a pet. One morning, she went out onto the patio to, to pet her. At a touch, Mother Cat hissed, reached out, and just scratched her really bad. She got mad. She yelled at the cat, kept yelling at it, until finally Mother Cat limped away. She'd been hit by a car. Another lady didn't know that, but she'd been hit by a car the night before, and her hip was dislocated. The lady said that God has used the memory of that story and taught her a lesson about dealing with people for years to come. Basically, she said the Lord has spoken to her seven times, several times and said, you remember old mother cat? She said, you'll see people in your life who will snarl and they will scratch. But understand, they've been hurt. The Lord told her to look past the snarl and love the hurt. I've experienced that as a pastor and a counselor, dealing with people and seeing things in their life and, and realizing inside my heart and spirit, they've been hurt. How can you and I look past hurt and love today? Because we were created in the image of God. We just have a natural capacity to love one another. Part of that's innate within us. But then again, because we live in a fallen world, we are sinful ourselves. We've all been hurt ourselves. We have to, to work at loving some days. 
the many kinds of personalities living within our sphere. Some of them are tougher than others. Some of them are hard. <laughs> Sometimes we get hurt. Love takes discipline. Love takes practice and love takes work. I ask you to underline in John 15, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friend. What is he talking about? Maybe for you, maybe this conjures up maybe a vision of images of maybe jumping in front of a car to save somebody's life. Or maybe you're in a foxhole and, and you're willing to lay down your life to take on the bullet for somebody else. And uh, Is that what, do you think that's what Jesus meant? I, I don't think it is, but we still know he called us to love. And perhaps this is maybe some ways that what he's talking about laying down. Perhaps laying down our lives for a friend means listening. Maybe just laying down our life one day and just listening, really listening, even though it's extremely inconvenient. I try, I try in my counseling, because I've always got, like you, thousands of things to do. But when that person is hurting and I try to focus in and, and just listen. Is that, is that what he means, laying down our life? Perhaps it means uh, helping someone who does not give us kudos. They don't, they don't care about us at all. In fact, they don't even really like us. But we still love them anyway. We still tell them, God bless you. I love you. I'll be praying for you. Is that what, he, is that what he's talking about, laying down our lives? M maybe it means turning off a ball game and having a tea party with, with a child. child. Maybe that's laying down our lives. Maybe it means foregoing our favorite food. Maybe I, maybe I need to quit eating all them fried foods. I love chips. You give me potato chips, I'm on it. I love them. They're around, I'm eating them. But maybe it's laying down our lives, going on a diet and trying to exercise for the sake of my wife Lana. So I'll be around longer. I think there's a lot of ways that we can lay down our life, and maybe that's too simple, but yet it's pretty hard sometimes to do that. I told y'all I'd done blown this diet thing. I was going to do so good this year, but I knew I'd messed up when I was sitting in line at Krispy Kreme. It was not working out too good. What does it mean to lay down your life? Maybe it's easier. Maybe it's a lot easier just... As far as nobility is concerned, to lay down our life in front of a bullet or a, a car. But you see, we can only die for a friend once. But love causes us to lay down our lives every day. Die to self every day. I've quoted C.S. Lewis a lot lately, and, and uh, here's, here's another quote from him. I, I got it out of his book called The Four Loves. You may have read it. C.S. Lewis, you know, just a deep theologian, philosophical sometimes in his approach to Christianity and great author, uh, written many, many books, but this one's called The Four Loves. In the New Testament, there are four Greek words to help us understand the word love. Jesus used different Greek words quite often. In fact, when he told Simon Peter, one of the disciples, in John 21, they're sitting there at a campfire and 
And we used different Greek words to get him to understand the deeper love of which he was asking. I tell my wife very intimately up close, I love you. But I also told our secretary and our former one, Eileen, I've told her I love her. But Susan been having a tough day Thursday and Audra, all that was going on, and she and I are both caring for our loved ones. And I said, Susan, I love you. And she said, I love you too. So you know the difference between those two loves. I had a friend, Kent Bolden, he and I are very close. We've both been hurt in similar ways. We've gone through a lot together. We hunt and fish together, but we pray together. We talk together regularly, and he, we were talking Tuesday or something, and I thought about it because as we talked about life and family and grandkids, and he said, Harvey, I love you. I love you too, brother. Different kind of love, but you un we understand. But in the Greek, there's four. And so Lewis wrote the four loves. I want to read this portion to you very slowly in light of all we're talking about that love hurts and it takes work. And uh, I'm going to read it slow. This is C.S. Lewis. There is no safe investment. There is no safe investment. To love at all is to be vulnerable. You love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung. R-U-N-G. And possibly be broken, possibly get hurt. You love, you're vulnerable. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one. Not even an animal, he added. You wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries and, and you avoid all entanglements. Lock it up. Lock it up safe in the casket or the coffin of your selfishness. You lock that love up in that casket. But he said, in that casket, safe and dark and motionless and airless, it'll change. It'll not be broken. It will become unbreakable. You won't be able to penetrate it. It will become irredeemable. The alternative to tragedy, or at least to the risk of tragedy, is damnation. And he adds, this is the last line, the only place, talking about love, hiding it, the only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers of all the intrusions of love is hell. still wrestling with all this still wrestling with Jesus saying if they spit on you love them anyway if they curse you I want you to bless them I, I want you to pray for those who just intentionally and spitefully use you so that I'll know you're my children so we can't, ex we can't excuse what Jesus has said it's still there and so we still hear these words from Jesus. I'll close with these four things. As I hear what Lewis is saying, but I hear what the scriptures are saying, and I know what my own heart, even though I'm hurt, I'm wounded just like you. We must not, we cannot hide love. We can't. The second thing, we, we also cannot go it alone. 
You cannot love like God without having God in your heart. So are you saved? Jesus said you must be born again. That's the place where I come in and I do something inside your heart. I change you. You can't, you can't love like I love unless I come in. And so salvation is critical to this process. Are you saved today? Then thirdly, after that even happens, he gives us another way to operate in. So the third thing, you cannot operate in his love unless you're filled with his love. You will continually need his love in order to love. Jesus said in Luke eleven thirteen, 13, how much more shall my heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? You, you're going to have to ask. Over in Romans, Romans 5, 5, you can remember it that way. Romans 5, 5, you can read the whole text, but Romans 5, 5 says this. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Everyone I was going to need a baptism of love. And the good news is that not only has the cross provided for us salvation, the cross has provided for us to be filled with God himself. We need help. We can't do it alone. And so the Holy Spirit comes. And maybe you just need to ask, I need to be filled with that kind of love. That kind of love you said never fails. <laughs> I've messed it up a lot, God. I, I need that kind of love. And then the fourth thing, love is, is vulnerable. And it takes great risk. Therefore, love takes work. And sometimes, is it hurts. You know, I've wrestled with this sermon this week, and I, I confess to you how many days that I've messed it up. I mean, I've, I've stunk some days at love. And so have you. Please, somebody give me an amen. So we need help. The good news is Jesus gives us help. The Spirit of God gives us help. But he never lets us say, well, I'm just going to quit loving. No, he gives us example after example. Sometimes love takes work and sometimes it hurts. Let's pray together. God, take your word and touch the human heart as only you can. God, I thank you for loving people that you have placed around my life. I'm so blessed. God, I, I pray for any here this morning who are hurting. They sometimes just feel like all they can do is claw and scratch. I pray for a healing, I pray for a deliverance, I, I pray for salvation, I pray for an infilling of your baptism with your love. Do that work in us, God, that only you can do to help us to love like you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and sing. Uh, our altar is always open. Uh, our uh, closing hymn.